Welcome to the Prophecy Club. Our topic today is a very difficult one, and that is, how can America have more time before she is destroyed? Now, you know, in that I'm married to a prophet, and one of the things she teaches is that if we say, thus saith the Lord, and it's not thus saith the Lord, we're actually bringing curses upon us. So I don't go around saying, God told me. <laughs> Very often, it's a very, very risky thing. But I have to tell you what happened. Okay, so two nights ago in my prayer closet, I was saying, Lord, how can I help America have more time? And I was thinking that, you know, maybe you'd speak to Leslie or maybe Pastor Messiah or someone and give them some kind of a formula. What can we do to have more time for America? And I said, somehow, Lord, how can we have more time? Use me somehow. Of course, I'm thinking solemn September assembly or something like that. Use me somehow to get America to have more time. How can America have more time? Lord, use me. Use me. How can we get America to have more time? And it jumped into my mind to do this. He said, tell him about Revelation 14.1. Okay, well, this one's not easy. So I'm going to tell you right quick, <laughs> you may see a lot of edits in this because I may have to back up and do research. Uh, it's not going to be easy explaining what I have to explain to you today. So let's get started. First of all, this is what came to mind. Revelation 14, 1. Now, before I even get there, we're going to be talking about pre-trib. This is what he, he basically explained. He said, if you'll explain to him Revelation 14, 1. If you can get more people to understand about the rapture, if they understand that, then the, the, the results of that can be America could be given more time. So I'm going to be talking about the pre-trib, mid-trib, and pre-wrath and the, the post-trib rapture. I'm going to be talking about the rapture today. I'm about to show you what I believe is the single verse that will destroy pre-trib. I say it again. I'm going to show you the single verse that will destroy pre-trib. And I'd have to say, I don't even think I'd even seen it this way until he showed me this in the prayer closet. I think that when I show him this, when you understand this, it'll cause Christians to wake up. It'll get them studying, praying, and preparing, and fighting for Christ. And the whole point is to give America more time. So what's the verse? Is it possible for you to be shown that pre-trib is an error? Or have you already been convinced? There's a saying that says there's only one sure barrier to the truth, and that is a belief that you already have it. So they say that a mind is kind of like a parachute, doesn't open, it doesn't work till it opens. So will you have an open mind? So all of you that are pre-trib, will you have an open mind? Could it be possible that I could show you that maybe you didn't understand everything, whoever it was teaching you? Maybe you didn't have all the marbles, so to speak. Maybe you didn't have all the bricks to build a wall. Maybe there's something else that can be shown. Well, I believe I can show you that today, but you'll never see it if you don't want to see it. So the first thing is I'm going to ask you to do is to open your mind and say, okay, if you can show me a verse, if you can explain it to me, I am willing to change my belief that there's going to be a pre-trib rapture or mid-trib, or pre-wrath. All three of those positions are wrong. In other words, Jesus is not coming at any point to save anyone from the test. We're all 
going to be tested. That's the whole point of the rapture. That's, excuse me, that's the whole point of the tribulation is a big test. Okay, so here's the verse. Now, you have to understand you've already read this verse. I'd read it, memorized it. But it was not until in my prayer clause that all of a sudden he did, did, did a download on me that I saw it this way. And that's the difficult part, me trying to explain to you the deeper understanding of this verse. So here it is. If I can get past what, let me get on to this. Let me get on to the verse. I had some other things I want to say. Okay, Revelation 14, 1. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you believe in pre-trib, you're, <laughs> you're looking at that, and you're saying, so? <laughs> and that destroys pre-trib? That doesn't destroy pre-trib. Actually, it does. If you understand what it is saying. Now, there's a lot of things we've got to back up, think about, in order to get the understanding on this. So let's read it again. I looked and lo a lamb. So this is John. He says he's looking into the future. I looked and lo a lamb, stood upon the Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written in their foreheads. Now, I can't tell you how many times... I I think I've got the ver this verse next. No, I don't. Okay. Can't tell you how many times I quoted uh, Zechariah 14. No, no, Jesus is going to return one more time. His foot is going to set down on the Mount of Olives. It's going to cleave to the two, in two to the north, south, east, west, west, water will flow. I said that many, many times, teaching Bible prophecy for many years. Wrong. I didn't understand this verse. And I dare say that if you haven't read my book, The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, you don't understand this verse either. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm going to confess to you that when I was memorizing the book of Revelation, when I was memorizing this, I could say the words, but it didn't mean I understood it. I didn't understand this verse. And I kept praying, Lord, show me the deep and secret things. Help me to understand what, what is this verse saying? I still couldn't understand it. So I memorized it, went on to the next verse, went on to the next verse, and, of course, in memorizing, you don't go over it just one time. You go over it many, many times. So I don't know how many times later I began to finally get the understanding. But I didn't get the total understanding until the night before. Okay, so what's it saying? I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Sion, with him 144,000, having his father's name written on the foreheads. Now, if you're a pre-tribber, when Jesus returns in the clouds, to pull you up into the air before the tribulation or in the middle of the tribulation or before the wrath, whenever you think it is, is he going to return as king of kings or is he going to return as the lamb? Everybody's going to say, well, no, he returns as king of kings and lord of lords. Like I asked my older brother one time, and I says, okay, so when Jesus returns for the rapture, how much power does he return in? He says, oh, all power and all glory. Oh, Okay, wait a minute. If that's the rapture, then what are we doing with this verse? Look at that verse. How do you explain that verse? Because this is saying, no, Jesus returns as a lamb. No, 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 no. You got that all wrong. He returns as king of kings and lord of lords. Yes, he does. Uh, for the Feast of Trumpets, that is. However, this is not talking about the Feast of Trumpets. This is talking about when he returns on the feast of, well, here it tells you. Uh, and, and now here's another thing. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to skip back and forth several times. So this is just, I, we're going to have to live with this today. 
So let me go to my Bible program and show you this, because sometimes i got to flip around. So as you look at this, I looked upon, I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. Well, where's the Mount Zion? Well, Mount Zion is about a 30-minute walk from the Mount of Olives. So it's two different mountains, it's two different places, and it's two different times he returns. What? You mean Jesus returns 10 more times? Well, I didn't write this stuff, but what does it say? Since we know that one of the times he returns to the Mount of Olives, and he returns then as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, well, here, let, let me just go to that. Let's go to uh, Zechariah 14, like 6 or something. No, I think it's like 2 here. Uh, here we go. For I will gather all nations unto Jerusalem to battle. The city should be taken, the White House is rifled, the women ravished, and that's, of course, when the, the Battle of Armageddon is taking place. But we're, we're going to skip on down. So this is when the Lord shall come forth, and he will fight against the nations. In other words, all of the nations attacking Israel. Okay, you got it? That's on the Feast of Trumpets. That's the last time he returns, but he returns two more times. I'll show you. Now, here's talking about the Mount of Olives. His, shoot, his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, which is worth Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and the west, a very great valley, half the mountain to move toward the north, half toward the south. Now let's go back to Revelation 14. So here we're talking about he returns as a lamb to the Mount of Zion, which is a 30-minute walk from Mount of Olives. So it's, it's a different return. Now let's go on and read this. So when he returns as the lamb, he stands upon the Mount Zion, and there's 144,000 having his father's name written in the foreheads. Who are the 144,000? Well, see, that's the secret door. The second vision that I saw, and I was in a conversation at the time, and it happened so quickly because when eternity enters into time, Jesus can talk to you and give you a long, big, loud download faster than you can even blink an eye. And it didn't even interrupt my sentence, but I saw a vision. And then after the conversation, it was like I went back and I looked at that vision. Here's what I saw. On the one side, I saw the book, which I was made to know it was the Torah, or the first five books of Moses, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Then on the right side is the book of Revelation. Between it, hmm, I don't have anything. Here we go. I got a flashlight. About that big, uh, like a, a stick of butter was between it. It was yellow. But it wasn't a stick of butter. It was a time tunnel. And in a blink, faster than the blink of an eye, I was made to know that the word first fruits is a secret door that links the feasts of Leviticus 23 to all of the prophecies in Revelation. In other words, the feasts and the whole purpose, the whole point of the feasts is to show the last seven months of the coming into the tribulation, last seven months of the tribulation. That's the whole point of them. And the point of them. A second point is for the Jews to discover that, and then when they discover that, they'll have to say, well, Revelation is of Yahweh, as in their God, and that means that Jesus really is Christ. That means Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life, and then a man comes as Father, but by him. So the point of the feasts is to show Jesus to the Jews. Now, in this case, I looked and lo, a lamb stood upon the Mount Zion. Well, who's the lamb? Well, Acts one eleven says, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner. Okay, so how did he leave? He left in a lamb body. 
He just had uh, fish with his disciples. He just let Thomas feel the nail scars and the sword scar, and he, he went up in the clouds. And the next time he comes, he comes down in the clouds, okay? But when he comes, there's two different kinds of clouds. One is like a white cloud that he went up in. Same way he went up in a lamb body. I believe he'll probably return in the same clothes, in the same body. He'll come back down in the same body. And when he comes down, in other words, there's two more returns. He returns to the Mount of Sion and he resurrects 144,000. Huh. Who are the 144,000? Would you believe I got the answer to that? Now I got to go jump to another place here. Let's go to Leviticus. Okay, Leviticus 23 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give unto you, and you shall reap the harvest thereof, you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest. Now that means the very first harvest of the very first harvest that they have when they come into the new promised land. Well, what is the thing that ripens first every year? And that would be barley. Okay, so this is the barley harvest, and barley is representative of the Jews. So he's saying, I want you to bring a sheaf. Now, how much is a sheaf? Well, if you go out and you grab a handful of barley and you hold it up, that's a sheaf. Another way of saying it is, if you take all the barley out of that, it comes to about a handful like this. And with that, the the priests are commanded to make a cake. It's kind of a large cookie, and they get to add oil, but they can't add any leaven. And then they cook that, and they eat that. Of course, they wave the sheaf, and they eat that, and that is the first fruits of the harvest. And that represents the 144,000. Now, it would get me off subject if I go into all of the details here, and I don't want to do that. But the next one is talking about, all of this is covered in my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. The next one is talking about when we, the wheat, get rescued. Rest, rest, rest. We're, we're the, the wheat. The children of Israel, or the Jews, are the barley. Okay, so the first fruits. Now let's go to verse 10. Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you be coming to the land which I give you, and you shall reap the harvest, then you shall bring the sheaf of your first fruits unto the harvest priest. He shall wave a sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow. After the Sabbath priest, you shall wave it. And he shall wave a sheaf, or a handful, before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow. After the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And you shall offer that day, when you wave the sheaf, here it is. You want to know who the 144,000 is? This is them. A he lamb without blemish of the first year. So that means, since the barley represents the Jews, that means this has to be 144,000 Jews of the first year, Look, right here. I didn't write the stuff. This is what it says. Of the first year, so they have to be one-year-old Jews. They have to be males. They have to be without blemish. Now, my guess is that, for example, one of them will probably be, for example, David's son. You remember David saw Bathsheba and, and took her, and they had a child, and the child only lived seven days. David was on his face trying to get God not to kill it, but the baby still died. My guess is that's probably going to be one of the 144,000. That represents that barley loaf. In other words, it's a very small loaf. Now, exactly 50 days later, and I'll have to jump over and find the chart to show you. Let me just do that. So this is when Jesus returns the next time on First Fruits. As you recall, 
He was our Passover lamb. He was in the earth for three days. He is our unleavened bread, a perfect sacrifice. He came out of the grave on first fruits, and Jesus arose, and he made us the resurrection, or he was the resurrection of them that slept, or the first fruits of the harvest. Uh, excuse me, I said that wrong. And the 144,000 are the first fruits of the final harvest, according to the scriptures. So when he returns, he comes back down in the clouds in a lamb body, still wearing probably the same clothes. And then he resurrects the 144,000 here, and they walk around for 50 days. After that, this is when the angel has the everlasting gospel is flying through the midst of heaven. And then after that, I think that's when America is fallen the first time, probably the Russians attack. I do not know that that's true. That's my best guess. And I reserve the right to change my mind on that. Then uh, is coming after the warning. If any man worship the beast and, or his mark or receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And goes on like that. Now, so Jesus resurrects. Excuse me. He he ascend, He descends here, resurrects one hundred forty four thousand. Told you it's complicated. He walks around for fifty days. Then we hear that are washed in the blood of Jesus. Remember the angel turned to John and said, "What are these arrayed in white robes? Whence came they?" And I said unto him, "Sir, thou knowest." And he said unto me, "These are they which came out of great tribulation and washed the robes and blood of the Lamb. Therefore they before the throne of God serve Him day and night in His temple." That's us. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, and I shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb that's in the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's us. That's when, now at this point, see, Jesus is still the Lamb. Okay? No rapture. We're talking about this is, at this point, we're about six months away from the second return. Yeah, they'd be about right. Yeah, I'd be about right. Okay, so first fruits, if I can get my pointer up here. It disappears. Okay, so first fruits is here. He resurrects 144,000. He walks around for 50 days with them. Let me go back to the scripture. Now, uh, the, the scripture says, and he fathered the lamb with us wherever he goeth. These are they. No, I need to show you the scriptures on that. Let me, let me show you the scriptures so you can see it. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb with us wherever he goeth. So he walks around for some 50 days. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God. See, it's that word first fruits that links first fruits in Leviticus 23 to first fruits in Revelation 14.4. That's the secret door. When you understand that this is the first fruits it's talking about, these are the 144,000. These are he lamb without blemish of the first year that are resurrected. And they follow the Lamb whithersoever, for they were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God. And in their mouth was found no guile. Why is there no guile found in their mouth? Because they're in their first year. They never learned how to talk. They never even said a word. Okay? So how can there be any guile found in their mouth? They never learned to talk. And they are without fault before the throne of God. That's why they get to go to heaven. See, no one gets to go to eternity unless they have no fault. What? No, that that's true. These get to go there because they have no fault. Uh, now, I'm, I'm talking about it in this particular resurrection. They get to go there because they have no fault. They have no fault because they died in the first year. 
We get to go there because we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they before the throne of God and serve him day and night at his temple. That's us. Now, let's go back to that, that chart here. Okay, here we go. So Jesus returns as a lamb on first fruits. He comes down in a cloud, resurrects 144,000, walks around for 50 days. Then he resurrects us. Then we go. He's still the lamb. Then we go to the marriage supper of the lamb. At the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's not about us. It is about Jesus. We only get a wedding garment and a white horse. Jesus, however, is crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he's given many crowns, a vesture dipped in blood and a white horse. We also get a white horse. Then about four months later, we return with him. These are the armies of heaven clothed in white robes. And we get to see, we do not fight. We get to see him use the morning star and the two other angels that have sharp sickles that slash the grapes. And that's the reason the blood flows to the uh, horses bridled by the space of 1,600 furlongs. So at the Battle of Armageddon, this is also called the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus is the judge at the judgment seat of Christ. This is the day of the Lord. It is one day. Zechariah 14, 17, 14 says, In the evening they are, and the morning they are not. Then about... No, exactly 10 days later, is the great white throne. Once again, Jesus is the judge. No one alive appears at this judgment. Everyone here is dead. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and they were judged, every man according to his works. And, the, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's the great white throne. This does not take place a thousand years later. I understand that. The reason you get that out of order is if you read through Revelation thinking it is chronological, and it's not. If you read through it chronologically, then you would conclude that that takes place at the end of the millennium. But if you read through it understanding the secret door, understanding that things get put in different places in Revelation. If you understand that, if you have the secret door, get my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy, then you say, oh, no, 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 no. That happens 10 days later. See, they all have to fit into the feasts, my brothers and sisters. Then five days later is the tabernacles. Now let's go back to our point today. Let me go back to the Bible here. So back to the verse. Uh, Revelation 14, 1. I looked at a little lamb. So the next time Jesus returns is not king of kings and lord of lords. He returns as a lamb. He returns to Mount Zion. He does not return to the Mount of Olives. So if, you're, if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, whoever is teaching you that, go and take them this one verse. Take them Revelation 14.1 and say, please explain to me when this takes place. That's what you're going to get because they haven't seen that. I hadn't seen it. I'd never heard anybody teach that. But as you can see, I mean, I didn't write it. I'm just a delivery boy. But here's what it says it says, The next time Jesus returns, just like Acts 1.11 says, You men of Israel, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? This same Jesus shall return in like manner. That means not as king of kings and lord of lords, not in power and great glory. He left in a lamb body, in white clothes. He's going to return down in clouds in a lamb body, probably in the same clothes. He resurrects 144,000. That's what it's saying. 
the 144,000. And according to the, the prophecies, excuse me, according to the feasts, they have to be one year old. They have to be without blemish and they have to be without a fault before the throne of God. One year old Jews without. Here, let me go there. And he shall offer that day a, with a sheaf, a he lamb. So they have to be boys. They have to be without blemish. They have to be of the first year. That's what the, the sacrifice required. See, again, the, the feasts is a pattern, kind of like hopscotch. It's a pattern, like thumb to thumb, finger to finger, finger to finger, okay? Or I should say thumb, first finger, middle finger, okay? They all fit together like that. Well, the feasts is the pattern that the prophecies fit in. That's what this chart is talking to you about. So when Jesus returns the next time, he returns on first fruits. That's not the rapture. If there was a pre-trib rapture, it took place about seven years before this. This is, well, let's see. This is in the first month. Jesus returns in the seventh month. So at this point, we're yeah, about six months away, almost seven months away from when he returns as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He must return. Look at it. Let me let me go back. This is here. This is the verse that's going to destroy pre-trib rapture. Revelation 14. There it is. How do you explain that? If you believe in a pre-trib rapture, how do you explain Jesus returning as a lamb? How do you explain that he returns to Mount Zion? What are you going to do with the fact that he resurrects 144,000 having his father's name written in the foreheads? It does not fit. No pre-trib rapture teacher teaches that. None of them explain that verse. None of them. So there it is. That's the verse that kills pre-trib. And if we can just get more people believing that, if they'll just watch this video, which, by the way, let me just say, it is extremely important that you send this out to all of your pre-trib friends. Yes, I know. They probably won't be your friend anymore. And that's another thing. What I've noticed is that when people have the truth, and it's settled in their heart. And somebody comes up to them with another idea. It doesn't bother them. It doesn't bother them. Like, for example, the identity movement. Those are the people that believe, oh, well, the Jews in Israel, they aren't really the Jews anymore. Now, I'll agree. There's some Moloch and Baal worshipers among them. There's some Khazari mafia among them. But there are some children of Abraham in there. But a lot of the people, the identity movement, believes, oh, well, no, the Americans have taken the place of the Jews. And boy, if you say, well, <laughs> that's not accurate, man, they get mad at you. Okay, why? I think it's because the Holy Spirit in our heart is trying to tell us, no, there's still God's people there. And no, the Christians in America did not take their place when they the Holy Spirit's trying to tell them that, but they don't like that answer, so they don't believe it. It makes them mad. Same thing with the pre-trib, the mid-trib, and pre-wrath rapture, because they they can't, they aren't, how do I say this? Again, I'm not trying to offend here, okay? I'm, I'm trying to, try. I'd like to see America get more time. I'd like to see the Christians all across America have the scales removed from their eyes and to see that this verse is destroying pre-trib. It doesn't say Jesus returns to the Mount of Olives. It says he returns to Mount Zion. He doesn't return as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He returns as a lamb. None of the pre-trib doctrines, none of the people that teach pre-trib are going to be able to explain this verse 
because they don't understand it. They don't understand how it fits in. They don't understand it because they don't have the secret door, which I explain in my book, Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. It is my heart to try to see people wake up. If you believe in a pre-trib rapture, here's what happens. It tends to say, well, you know, I don't have to worry about what's going on in the world. I don't have to worry about all that trouble. I don't have to worry about studying Bible prophecy. I don't have to worry about any of that stuff because, you know, before it gets too bad, Jesus is going to come and pull me up in the air, and I get to avoid all this. Okay, well, let me ask you this. What if you're wrong? I mean, have you taken to that? Just for a second, consider that. What if you're wrong? Yeah, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not. Okay, but hang on. What if you're wrong? Oh, but I'm not. But, but, but wait, wait, wait. What if you are wrong? Now, what if I'm wrong? Well, if I'm wrong, then not a whole lot changes. But what if you're wrong? In other words, what if suitcase sneaks go off, the Russians attack, all of a sudden there's a beast out there. He's requiring people to take the mark of the beast, and nobody got sucked into the air at all. What what what's the worst thing can happen? Well, all of a sudden you could wind up getting angry at Jesus, angry at the Bible, angry at your pastor, angry because you were lied to. Well, maybe maybe they were doing their best. Maybe they were trying to bring you as much truth that they as they could possibly bring you, and sometimes we believe what we want to believe true? Could it be that at the end of the day, when we stand before Jesus, he's going to say, it's our fault. It's our fault. We shouldn't have believed that. We should have done our research. Everybody had the same Bible. Well, maybe not the same version, but <laughs> now let me go back to it again. So essentially, Revelation 14.1 is saying that Jesus returns two more times. It's the only way you can look at it. One to the Mount of Olives, one to Mount Zion. One as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and one as a Lamb. You can't jump out of that conclusion. You can't. All right, if he's returning two more times, then what's going on here? The answer is found in this chart. I'll say it again. He returns here on first fruits, resurrects 144,000 one-year-old Jewish boys without fault before the throne of God, no guile in their mouth. He walks around for 50 days. Probably what he's trying to do is to get those hard-headed Jews to realize, yes, he really is Jesus. He really is King of Kings, or about to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then when he goes to the marriage supper of the Lamb on Pentecost and resurrects us, now, if there, by the way, I don't consider this to be a rapture because most of the Christians that go to the marriage supper of the Lamb will have already been dead. Um, that's the reason it says here, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from the labors and their works to follow them. It says that because most of the Christians at this point are already dead, but there's a few, very few, that are still alive, but they aren't ready to go, so they don't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But he's saying, don't worry, don't worry. You still get all of your rewards, even though you didn't get to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. But that's not a rapture, because, yeah, First of all, most of them are dead, but it's not saving them from a thing. It, they're, they're still got, at this point, we've got, uh, what is it, uh, about another four months before Jesus returns. It's not saving them. They've already been through the rapture, excuse me, they've already been through 
the uh, the mark of the beast. <laughs> Most of them, very, I mean, they've been through at this point about six of the seals, uh, about uh, six of the trumps, uh, trumpets, and the the vials are just right around the corner. So they go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, then they return on the seventh trumpet, the last trump, just like it says, like the scripture says. If you look at this chart, if you get the book, all of a sudden lights start turning on and you start understanding Bible prophecy like never, ever, ever before.